Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 4, which might sound like a strange place to go for Christmas, but uh, you'll, you'll see in a minute that there is a connection there. So, Galatians chapter 4, I'll read verses 4 through 7 here in just uh, a little bit. It is Christmas time. Christmas is such a magical time of the year. It often brings us warmth and comfort uh, in, you know, at times when our lives may be hectic and harsh, you know, throughout the rest of the year. It's good to have a little something to, to warm us and, and to give us joy and just focus in on the hope that is in Christ. This time of year has been called the most wonderful time of the year. In fact, Back in the 1960s, Andy Williams sang a song about that. You know, that now Andy Williams, in his song, he gave a whole lot of different reasons why this was the most wonderful time of the year. He says it's the most wonderful time of the year because, you know, it includes kids jingle-belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer, and there's holiday greetings and gay happy feelings when friends come to call, and there's parties for hosting and marshmallows for roasting and caroling out in the snow, scary ghost stories which that sounds strange, but, you know, that's Scrooge and things like that. And tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago, you know, and, uh, th- reasons like that. So Andy lists all these reasons why this is the most wonderful time of the year. And, and those are definitely some positive things. Those are definitely uplifting things. But there's obviously a better reason for why this is the most wonderful time of the year, because it centers on a baby born in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago. That's why this is the most wonderful time of the year. That was the time decreed by God for the salvation of mankind to be brought to bear on a rebellious and sinful humanity. God's work in Jesus makes it the most wonderful time of the year because through him we are saved. And the effects that Jesus brought with him by coming to earth was not just for that time. It's not just for our time. It is for all of time. And in the passage that I'm looking at today, Paul reminds the Galatians, you know, that there was a time in their lives, you might call it a not-so-wonderful time in their lives when they were following the ways of the world. But through Jesus Christ they now have a new time, a new season in their life. And it, the benefits reach out for all of eternity. And, and, you know, we can relate to what the Galatians were going through because there was a time when we were of the world. There was a time when we were separated from God. But if you're in Christ, it's a new time in your life. Now, that doesn't mean being in Christ doesn't mean that you're not going to have times of hardship. Doesn't mean you're not going to have times of trials. Doesn't mean you're not going to have times of darkness. But because of the time that Jesus came and was born and would die and would rise again, we are able to celebrate who we are in Christ. That the hardships of the current time don't have the final say, and there is going to come a time when we are going to be in the glories of God's presence forever. 
And so what I want us to think about today is that Christmas makes it a great time of year to pause and, and consider the wonderful work that the eternal God has done for us in Jesus Christ. He has made us new. And now we live as new people in a new time of our lives. And so I want to read verses 4 through 7 of Galatians chapter 4. If you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read these verses. Paul says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts saying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let's pray. God in heaven, this is the perfect time to pause and consider what it is that we have in Christ. Is there so much visual candy that kind of attacks our senses and, and, and draws us away? Lord, may we never forget about the true meaning of Chris, Christmas and what this time is truly about. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So according to Paul, what makes this time of year so wonderful? According to Paul, how can, how can we use this time to our spiritual benefit? It's a time for us to consider. It's a time for us to pause. And, and so what does Paul tell us in, in this passage that we are to do during this time? So first, Paul says that it is a time to remember God's sovereignty. It's a time to remember God's sovereignty because God is in control. You know, Paul says that in the fullness of time, God sent his son. The fullness of time, you might translate it. Some translations might say the completeness of time. Paul, Paul reminds us that, that God is completely in control of all the events that happen in time and space. And, and he directs them to his plans and his purposes, and he was directing this toward something. He was directing time and space toward this moment. He was guiding the events of the world to the perfect time that the sun would come and take on full humanity. It was the perfect time, because God's timing is always perfect. Now, us humans... Not so much. Our timing isn't great. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen, and our timing is just awful. You know, we, we suffer from cases of bad timing. It could be something as simple as, you know, we're at work, and we spill something all over ourselves the moment right before an important client comes in to our office. There may be other times of, of just bad timing. I was reading this story about video game developer Activision. You, you may have heard of Activision. They've been around forever from back when I was a kid when the, there was the Atari 2600. All the games were by Activision. Yeah, I just dated myself. All the kids are, what's an Atari 2600? That was the ultimate in video gaming. There was none of this Microsoft and PlayStation stuff. We had Atari 2600 and we were happy with it. 
All the little block guys going, doo, 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 doo. We, we were happy with it. But now they've gotten a little bit better at, at their games. So Activision now has the, the Guitar Hero games. So they were going to do this promotion for the, for the newest Guitar Hero game. And, and so they, they, they partnered with uh, this uh, drummer from Blink-182, Travis Barker. And so they were going to send, they sent out all of these drumsticks that had the phrase, play with fire. That was what they were going to, to promote this new guitar hero with. Uh, unfortunately, when after Activision had sent out the drumsticks, the play with fire drumsticks, like right after they sent those out, Travis Barker survived a fiery plane crash that, that killed two people. Talk about bad timing to send out drumsticks that says play with fire after a fiery plane crash that your person was in. We humans suffer from bad timing, but God never does. Things happen, and world events occur just as God times them. And the coming of Jesus Christ was no different. I mean, it's not like God was just kind of sitting back, going, things were kind of going along, and he said, oh, you know what, now might, be, now might be a good time to send my son. Maybe later, maybe, and now I'll send him now. No, God doesn't work like that. He was sovereignly putting all the pieces together for that time. Ever since the beginning, ever since the fall, when God said, when he prophesied that the seed of the woman would crush the serpent's head. He was moving everything to that point in time to send his son. The fullness of time had come for God to send his son. That was the time God had set up all along. And he was sovereignly getting history to that point. Now scholars say that there are several factors that made that particular time, a suitable time, for Christ's appearance. They list things like the worldwide peace that was secured by the Roman Empire. They list things like the excellent road system that made it easier to travel amongst the empire from city to city. They list things like the common language of Greek that was shared by all the cultures. They, they, you know, scholars say that this made it the perfect time for the Savior to come so that the gospel message could spread throughout the world. Now, some people might credit the Roman Empire for those advances, but it was the sovereign God who was guiding things along to make it that time. And so God is working all the events of history toward this point, Christ being born. The fullness of time had come. But why is that important? There's two reasons that I see that th this is important. First, this means that God is behind the scenes guiding the events of our own lives. God is guiding things. All, he is controlling things around you that you don't even think about. He is guiding you. Yeah, what does Proverbs say? Okay, a man you know, plans his ways, but it's the Lord who guides his steps. God is the one who's guiding these things. Now, you know, some, some preachers might say, well, that means that if you have enough faith, God will guide you away from hardships and trials. But no, he doesn't. 
In fact, sometimes the hardships and the trials are part of the guiding. God can sovereignly use the rough times in our lives to get us where he wants us to be. And God, because he's sovereign, he can do that. He can take the good things and the bad things and the everywhere in between things and use it to move us. Because it's, he's guiding us to serve a greater purpose in, in something that we're unaware of right now. There is something in the future that he has for us that we don't even know. And he's using things around us and moving us and guiding us to that point. <coughs> God is in control of our time. And he's moving our time along towards something meaningful and purposeful for the kingdom. And so just when you think that things are out of control in your life, it's good to remember that, you know what? They're out of your control. You better believe they, they're, I mean, we like to think we're in control. Oh yeah, I'm in control. I'm in control of my own destiny. I'm in control of it. No, you're not. I'm not. He is. Things might be out of our control, but nothing is ever out of God's control. And he is using time and events to move us sovereignly towards something that he has for us. But there's a second reason why this is important. A second reason that this is important is, is to remember that God is sovereignly guiding all of time toward the second coming of Christ. You know, it's not just that all of a sudden there was the fullness of time and then God sent his son and now it's like, well, you know, I, I, I don't know when to send my son back. Well, no, God knows exactly when he's sending the son back. Christ is going to return in the fullness of time, whenever that might be. I, I know that, that due to world events that a lot of people think that that time is now, I mean, it could be. Christ could come back today. I'd be okay with that. But then again, Christ might not return for another 5,000 years. And people are thinking, shut your mouth, preacher. He, he ain't going to wait that long. Well, how do you know? It's been 2,000 years since the first coming. What's another few more thousand years? We don't know because we don't know what, what God is doing. We don't know where he's moving things. And so we got to be careful of interpreting every event as a sign of Christ's return. And, and then, you know, get all hyped up for it and then he hasn't come back yet. You know, that happened a lot in the first century. A lot of people thought they missed Christ's return because they were interpreting the signs and Christ hadn't returned yet. And so we got to be careful about that because God will send Christ back in the fullness of time. And we don't know when that is. When it happens, it happens. You know, people think, oh, because of, you know, this isn't the first plague that has ever hit this earth. This isn't the first time that there has been wars and rumors of wars. This isn't the first time that there's been civil unrest and nations have all kind of gone haywire. As King Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, there is nothing new under the sun. And so we've got to be careful. Not every event is a sign of Christ's return. So we can't spend our time obsessing over that. We just trust that, you know what? 
when, when God the Father sends Christ back, that's when it's going to happen. God the Father knows when that time is. God the Father is leading the events of history toward that time. But it's not for me to know. It's not for us to know. So what do we do instead? How do we use our time? Instead of just sitting back and thinking, <coughs> all right, I'm going to just wait for Christ to return. What we can do with our time is spiritually prepare ourselves for when we meet Jesus and help others be spiritually prepared to meet Jesus. And I say meeting Jesus because it might be meeting Jesus when he returns. Yeah. I mean, if I had a vote, I'd vote for that one. But I don't have a vote. Or it might be meeting Jesus when I die. Either way, being prepared. And so during this wonderful time of year, we ought to use our time to remember God is sovereign over all of time. God is sovereign over the events that happen through time. And we rest in that. He's sovereign about the events in my life. He's sovereign about the events that is happening in the world. And things are going to happen according to his timetable. And we rest in that. And so we remember that. We, we put that in our minds and remember that. But this is also a time, secondly, it, it's a time to reflect on God's gift. It's a time to reflect on God's gift. You know, now Christmas time is a time of gifts, Right? Under the tree lie all these beautifully wrapped boxes that have all these bows and ribbons on them, and they contain toys and goodies of all sorts that people have been dreaming for for weeks, months, maybe years. And it's fun. It's fun giving gifts. It's fun receiving gifts. You know, we love giving gifts, seeing the happiness that, like on a child's face when they, they tear the paper off and things like that. And, and we love receiving gifts. I mean, it, it's a season for gifts. But Paul tells us you ought to reflect on an even better gift. There is a gift that is better than your Apple whatever, your Microsoft whatever, your Android whatever, the gift of Jesus Christ. Paul says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. See, Christmas marks the time when God gave the greatest gift. It didn't come in pretty paper. There wasn't little bows placed on this gift. Our, this, this gift didn't, didn't contain a toy or another new gizmo or doodad or whatever it is that you know, we, we like to get. A better gift was given. And so when, when you're opening gifts this week, think about and reflect on the greater gift that God has given. I mean, look at what Paul says about the gift that he sent, that we received on Christmas. First, he says that the gift God sent was his own son. It was God's own son. You know, th this means that... Jesus was already the son before he came to earth, before he became human. So, so this statement, it confirms the deity of Christ, meaning, meaning that, that Christ is fully God. I mean, he, he shares in the same nature and character as the Father. In the beginning was the Word, another name for the Son. 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is God. This gift is God himself, the Creator, the Eternal One, the One with all the perfections, holy, just, loving, everything that the Father is, Jesus is. And God gave this gift. God gave the Son (coughs) so we could understand him better. I mean, because Jesus is the greatest revelation of God that there is. If you want to know God, know Jesus. Get to know Jesus. You say, well, I don't know God very well. Well, get in Scripture and get to know Jesus. You get to know Jesus, you get to know God. Because Jesus is God. He is the Son of God. But he also says, another thing about this gift that he gave, secondly, he he says that the gift was born of a woman. We know the Christmas story. I mean, we've heard it probably a million times now. There was a virgin who was endowed with child by the Holy Spirit. They made their trek to Bethlehem. She gave birth. There were shepherds who told a wonderful story about angels. A year or so later, these wise men, Magi, they they came and gave him gifts and worshipped him and things like that. We know the the story. And and, and that, that shows us, you know, Jesus, the Son, was born of a woman. You know, he... He looked, like a, he looked like a real baby, because you know what? He was a real baby. This is the amazing thing. This is the mind-blowing thing. This is where, you know, you, 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 you just can't wrap your mind around it. Jesus is God. Jesus was completely human. He grew up like a human. He was born like a human. He grew up like a human. He learned like a human. He was completely another human. He's God and man. How does that work? I, I don't know. I can't give you like the specifics. All I can do is tell you that's what the Bible says. He is both. But, you know, we need to reflect on the fact that he is human because we, we often forget that God, through Jesus, understands. He understands what we're going through because he was fully human. He understands the pressures we go through. He understands the temptations. He understands those dark nights of the soul that we go through. The only difference is, you know, he experienced those things, but he did not sin. But just because he did not sin doesn't take away from the fact that he experienced those things. And he gets us. You know, sometimes we we sit back and, and we're going through our brooding and we're going through our you know, pity parties that we like to throw for ourselves. I mean, I, I like to throw a pity party for myself. Every once in a while, I mean, I, I don't get any gifts. There's no paper. There's no whatever, you know. But but I have a pity party. They're, they're not very fun. I don't know why they're called a party, but it's a pity party. You know, we have these pity parties, and we think I'm all alone. Nobody understands me. Nobody gets me. Nobody, guess what? Jesus gets you completely. He understands you. Now, he sees you, he understands you in all your beauty and in all your ugliness and everywhere in between, and he loves you and he cares. Now, you know, just because he understands, just because he cares, that doesn't mean like he looks at your sin and just winks at it and, and, and says, oh, yeah, okay, just whatever, go on with yourself. He, he has something better for you. You know, he died to pay the penalty for your sin, but he died also so you could walk away from sin. 
He knows your struggles, and he offers you something better. So what a time to reflect on this gift. I mean, he's fully God, and he's fully human. He gets us. He understands. You know, you might not be able to communicate. With, you try and explain what's going on with you, and, you know, talking to other people, and you're like, oh, they just don't get me. I mean, they don't get it. They don't get... Go to God in prayer. He absolutely positively gets you. Reflect on that. And thirdly, it says that Jesus was born under the law. And, and so, I mean, this partially means that, that he was Jewish. I mean, he was born under the Mosaic Covenant. But, it, you know, it's talking about the law of God universal. I mean, he, he was born under the law. He was fully human. And so the same standards that God has for everybody else, I mean, he has for himself, obviously. And Jesus followed God's standards and law perfectly. We don't follow God's standards and laws. We can't. But Jesus did. And so this made him an unblemished sacrifice for sin. You know, if you, if you read the first five books of, of the Bible, the Pentateuch, and you get into everyone's favorite book, Leviticus, Right? Come on, show, some Leviticus, show Leviticus some love here. Yeah. Yeah. It, but it talks about the sacrifices in Leviticus. And you read about the sacrifices, and something that is constantly repeated is, is that bring an animal without defect. Bring an animal without blemish. The problem is, because of sin, all of us humans are defective. All of us humans are are blemished, but not Jesus. Jesus was perfect. He followed God and his ways and his laws and, and everything perfectly. That's our Savior. That's who we're celebrating, the perfect one. And he's perfect, and we're obviously imperfect, and yet he loves us. That should just be en enough to celebrate this wonderful time of the year. The perfect one loves imperfect me. That's amazing. So this time of year, we reflect on the greatest of gifts. The divine son who took on humanity to be this unblemished sacrifice for a very defective humanity. Third and quickly, Paul also tells us that this is a time to rejoice in God's blessing. Yeah, we remember his sovereignty and, and, you know, we reflect on the gift that was given, but it's a time to rejoice that through that gift we are blessed. You know that there's a phrase that we use that, you know, something is a gift that keeps on giving. Well, that's kind of, that's so true of Jesus. I mean, he, he is the true Christmas gift. And he is the gift that just keeps on giving. There is more blessing through Jesus Christ than we can imagine. Now, you know, quite often we reflect on everything but the blessings that we have. But he's the gift that just keeps on giving. You know, at, toward the end of John's gospel, John says that, you know what, Jesus said and did so many more things that, if it was recorded down, I mean, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to hold it. 
And the same is true about the spiritual blessings that we receive through Jesus Christ. If we would mine the depths of Scripture just to find them. I mean, we will, we're so blessed, we shouldn't even know what to do with ourselves. We're so blessed. But Paul does his best to try and describe some of the blessings that he has. And he, he names two blessings specifically that I kind of want to quickly focus in on. First, he talks about the fact that Christ redeems believers. And, and you know, we often use that word redeem having to do with coupons. I'm redeeming this coupon or something. But, but for Paul's day, that word redeem came from the world of slavery. A slave was someone who was in servitude to someone else due to a debt that they owed. And, and if the slave or someone else would be able to pay that debt, that slave was set free. He was bought back. He was redeemed. And so by saying that through Christ we have been redeemed, that means our sin debt has been paid and we have been set free. We're no longer under the power of sin. There, that's our redemption story. I mean, we all love redemption stories. We all love stories about the, the bad guy turning good and stop doing bad things and start doing good things. We love redemption stories. Whether it's Darth Vader coming to the light side, whether it's Isaac Schindler, you know, he stops being a friend of the Nazis and he starts saving Jews, whatever. It, it makes for compelling, compelling storytelling, you know, that, that someone is redeemed. But the thing is, with most of those stories, the person redeemed themselves. They, 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 they redeem themselves. The problem with that is no one can redeem themselves. We have such a twisted nature, there's nothing we could do to pay back the sin debt that we owe. That's why this is such a blessing. When, when he says here that he redeems those who are under the law, redeems those who broke the law, I mean, Jesus had to do it. God had to do it through his son. God the son, born of a woman, born under the law, paid the price to redeem lawbreakers so we could be set free. That's us. That makes that such a wonderful time of the year. But the second blessing that he talks about is we're adopted. We're adopted as God's children, right? Now, I've said it before, but I think it bears repeating because I want us to be on the same theological level, and I want you to cringe at this statement as much as I cringe at this statement. Look, if I'm going to cringe at this statement, I want you to cringe at this statement. And the statement I'm talking about is the statement that all humans are God's children. See me cringe. Because all humans are not God's children. All humans are God's creation. All humans are God's image bearers. But not all humans are God's children. Because of sin. The Bible tells us because of sin, we're actually God's enemy. All humans are lawbreakers, all humans are slaves to sin, but not all humans are children of God. That's why we have to receive the gift. That's why Jesus came. We receive the gift of the Son, and then he says we are adopted. So we weren't God's children before, but through Jesus Christ we're adopted 
and we're made God's children, right? Think about adoption in our world. So people, they might not be family by birth, but they become family by choice and by law. And then they receive all the blessings and privileges of that relationship. So, you know, we used to be God's enemy. But then through Jesus Christ, we are legally brought into the family of God and we receive all the blessings and privileges of being a child of God, being part of that relationship. So what we couldn't do before and what we couldn't receive before, now we can do it and receive it. We're adopted into God's family. Now we can call God Abba, Father, terms of relationship, terms of endearment, terms of closeness. Not everyone can call God Father or Abba. Only his children. How do you become a child of God? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And so before, not being God's children, we were going to receive judgment and wrath. Now, he says, we're heirs through God. We're going to inherit from God. What are we going to inherit? Everything. That's the amazing thing. You read elsewhere in Scripture, everything that Christ is going to inherit, we're going to inherit with him. Oh, wow. That's a lot. So it's a time to rejoice. You know, I was once a slave, but I have been bought, and I have been adopted into God's family, and now I'm a child of God and an heir, an heir through, with Jesus Christ. So yeah, that's something to rejoice about. That's what makes Christmas such a wonderful time of the year. We sing about it being a wonderful time of the year. You know, there's another song about Christmas time. You know, it's called Christmas Time is Here. It's by the Vince Guaraldi Trio. We're more familiar with it from the Charlie Brown Christmas special, which is a very cool Christmas special. I love, even, even now, I still love all the Christmas shows. But, you know, it talks about Christmas time and, and being a wonderful time of the year. Christmas time is here, happiness and cheer, fun for all. The children call their favorite time of year, snowflakes in the air, carols everywhere, olden time and ancient rhymes of love and dreams to share. There's so much that we sing about in the secular. And yeah, you know what? Christmas time seems very magical. But Christmas isn't magical just because of silver bells and, and decking the halls with boughs of holly, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la. Yeah, I, I probably put too many laws in there. You know, all, uh, it, it's because of Christ. Yeah, wreaths, trees. Awesome, cool, lights. Awesome. But Christmas is a wonderful time of year because of Christ. It's kind of in the name. Christ Mass. Celebration of Christ. It's a celebration of Christ. So use this time to remember God's sovereignty, reflect on God, God's gift that he gave through Jesus Christ and rejoice in the blessings that we receive through Christ. And so Christian, today, come to the altar and remember and reflect and rejoice of what we have in Christ. But if you're not a Christian, now is the time to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. That's the good news. That's the gospel. The choir earlier sang about good news. What's the good news? You no longer have to be lost. You have been found by God. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. 
For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.